Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. Welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want to take control of their work and live life on their own terms. I'm your host, Emily Thompson, and today I'm joined by Spencer Fry, founder of Podia, a platform for selling digital products, frequent sponsor of us here at Being Boss, to chat with me about what's up these days with online courses and what you need to know as a course creator in 2022. Just to know that this episode is not sponsored by Podia, I just invited Spencer to talk about courses because he's the expert who's going to share all the goods. You can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the show and share us with a friend. Sometimes seeing someone else's path to success helps us clearly map out our own. It's why we all like business podcasts, right? Well, I'm here to share a show for you to check out the Female Startup Club podcast, an amazing resource that shares insights and learnings from the world's most successful female founders, entrepreneurs, and women in business. In a recent episode, I loved hearing about how Michelle Grant, the founder of Lively, the lingerie and swimwear brand built and sold her company for $105 million in just three years. Total boss move. So if you're looking for a new pod to inspire your next steps, listen to the Female Startup Club podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, bosses, and happy new year. Around here, the publishing of this episode marks the completion of our seventh year of sharing this podcast with you and the entrance into our eighth, which totally blows me away. I am so grateful to all of you listeners for continuing to show up here and in the Being Boss community, and most importantly, for continuing to show up in your own businesses to blaze this trail of creative entrepreneurship. You should definitely know that I am so excited to be marching right into this eighth year of this show and am more excited about some of the goodies that we have coming for you in the next couple of months, starting with today's episode. As we dive into this new year, I wanted to kick us off with some of the most helpful content I could imagine to get you going right here in January. So the team and I put together a sort of series of episodes sharing the must-know stuff happening in the areas that affect our creative, mostly online businesses. So starting right here in this episode and following us through this entire month, I am sharing conversations with you that I've had with experts in various fields about what you need to know as you begin 2022. This series includes the topics of social media, business, legal, and podcasts, and begins right here, right now, with an element of online business that I'd argue every single one of us has either been a customer of or a creator of, and that is online courses. Today, I'm joined by Spencer Fry, founder and CEO of online course platform Podia. Spencer has been an entrepreneur his entire life and proudly has never earned a paycheck from anyone other than himself. Previously, he co-founded three bootstrapped companies, Typefrag in 2003, Carbon Made in 2007, and Uncover in 2012. He is happy to help entrepreneurs whenever and wherever he can. He lives in New York City and in his spare time loves to cook and play squash. Spencer, welcome to Being Boss. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited to chat one with you. We were just talking about how we've worked with Podia for a really long time, but Mm -hmm. I've never actually gotten to chat with you. So it's nice to be in the same Zoom room with you. Yeah, it's very nice to meet you too. Actually, uh, I know your name, but I I hadn't seen your face before. So this is nice. 
Well, this is my face. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I wanted to I wanted to talk about online courses and the only person I could imagine talking to was those at Podia, including you. Um, so I'm excited to talk about online courses and what we're looking at mm-hmm. moving into the new year. Um, but before we dive into all of that, I want to introduce you to our bosses and hear more about your entrepreneurial story, sure. how it is that you got to where you are today. So if you don't mind taking us on a little journey of sure. how you got here, I would love to hear it. Sure. Yeah, of course. Um, it's actually quite a long journey, but I'll, I'll keep it short. Uh, so I am now 37 years old. And I've been building uh, tech startups since my early teen years. Uh, One of my claims to fame is I've actually never had a paycheck in my entire life. I've always worked for myself. Um, So this is actually my fifth startup in, uh, you know, 20 years, basically. I love that. I feel like I need to congratulate you on never having had a paycheck. (laughs) Yeah, it it feels good. Um, You know, for a long time, I was like, what is a W-2? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to worry or you didn't need to worry about that. Maybe you have to now. I'm actually Um, technically employed by my own company. Um, (laughs) But before that, I was I never was. Um, So they were always, you know, LLCs. This is the first corporation where I actually have a W-2. Um, but yeah, it feels great. Um, but yeah, I've always been interested in tech and startups. And my journey kind of started when uh, both my parents are professors at Yale. And we moved to campus when I was 11 years old. And I got a really, really fast internet connection. So I got um, a T3 line, which uh, kind of made all the all the worlds different. So previous to that, I was actually using an AOL modem, you know, um, but so I got fast internet. I got really excited about uh, building online. I started a bunch of different little projects. Um, I got in trouble with the FBI when I was 16 years old. Nice. With one of my internet companies. <laughs> so yeah, I, I have a, a very uh, storied history. Love that. So five startups. Can you like recap what they have been? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So um, the the most notable ones started when I was a freshman in college. So that company was called Typefrag which still exists today. So if you're familiar with Discord, it was one of the sort of one of the original uh, VoIP companies for gamers. Um, so we, we hosted thousands and thousands of gamers, let them talk to each other online while they were playing video games. So I sold that company um, in my college years uh, when I was a junior. And then I started a uh, another company right after college uh, called Carbon Made, which is pretty well known in the online creative space. So we were actually the first online portfolio uh, for artists and designers to display their work online. Uh, started in 2005. Uh, built that company up, um, completely bootstrapped, never raised any financing. Um, and then about four years later, sold my share of the company. Uh, and I, I always forget if it's 2009, 2010, 2011, something like somewhere around there. Um, and then I started working on another startup uh, and I got interested in Thinking that I wanted to do B2B, uh, which I didn't like doing, um, but I started a, a uh, benefits company for, for um, employees. And then I started that, ran it for about two years, uh, sold the company. And then I decided I wanted to get back into helping creators um, and helping individuals uh, make money online. And that's where uh, this company started. So I started working on, on this in, in 2014. Nice. Nice. Okay. Okay, so you've done five startups, which is amazing. And I'm wondering at this point, I feel like oftentimes when people are in that like multiple startups, especially at such a young age, it almost becomes this like um, this equation based, like I'm just going to go to where it makes Mm -hmm. sense and maybe a little less so passion based. So I'm wondering where you are on that spectrum of starting something that you were just incredibly passionate about versus like, it's just your next thing that looks like it's going right. to do well. So every time I've been successful, I've been passionate about it. Yeah. Um, the only company where I didn't, I didn't feel any passion towards was the B2B business that I started after selling um, Carbon Made, actually. And when I left that company, I looked back at you know the previous startups I'd worked on, where I was happiest, and I realized that I was happiest working with entrepreneurs, uh, working with individuals, um, you know, letting them 
into all the secrets I knew about building businesses online. And that's kind of where we started with, uh, with Podia. Oh, so perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, I actually kind of both. So as I mentioned earlier, both my parents are professors at Yale and my dad was actually the, one of the first, uh, online course creators on the internet. Uh, so he actually, in combination with Yale, put out a course in 2009 that now has millions and millions of views on YouTube. So I actually got a really early insight into online courses and how they could uh, allow anyone on, that had access to the internet uh, to get paid, um, you know, to learn, etc. You literally uh, like so got was, the earliest insight yes, <laughs> into yes, this. Yes, the, the earliest. <laughs> and my dad is not techie at all. Uh, so, you know, it was it was a bunch... They hired a film crew and they filmed him doing his lectures and they did all the, you know, uploading to YouTube, that sort of thing. Um, but he would receive emails daily, uh, multiple times a day from students in China, in Asia, all over the world saying, you know, Professor Fry, I really loved your course. You know, can you tell me more about X? And so he would he would tell me these stories like at the dinner table or whenever I'd go visit him. And it, it was really exciting for me. Yeah. So there really is. It's not it, it's not for you just the next thing that sort of makes sense in terms of like what's on paper. But I mean, you were literally you had front row seats more or less to the birth of online courses, which is amazing. Yeah. 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 And so that's that's part of it. And then the other part of it was when I was working on Carbon Made, we had a little office in Soho. Uh, here in New York City. And uh, Skillshare was actually founded in our office. So the two co-founders of Skillshare, Mike and Malcolm, uh, rented desks from me at the office. And I was actually one of the first three teachers on the platform. So at the time, it was actually all offline. So they rented little spaces at churches and um, kind of other buildings around Soho, New York, and actually taught a course for Skillshare. So it was another uh, introduction to courses for me. So obviously that was all offline, but then they pivoted to being an online platform. And then my course got recorded and put on the online platform too. So I got to see, you know, their early success as well. Oh, such cool. I had, I knew none of yeah. these things. <laughs> I'm loving this so much. How wonderful to hear the sort of backstory of like, of you being a part of this birth of online courses which you saw from the early days with some of the first ones. But now online courses are huge. It's a massive yeah. industry. They are the backbone of, I think, most online business models. And thankfully, I think are becoming a part of how people are hybridizing their businesses between online and offline. Mm -hmm. how, are you, how are you feeling about all that? <laughs> Um, I mean, I love it. I, you know, I am a huge proponent of the internet, as you can probably tell. Um, I think one of the things that makes me happiest is just to see, um, you know, someone selling a course in say, I don't know, New Mexico to someone in France or like vice versa. I just love how, um, you know, you don't have to be in a classroom. You don't have to, you know, put your jacket on, get in your car, drive to a building to take a course. I just love how it's always accessible. So I actually spent a lot of this past weekend taking an online course, for example. So I'm a, I'm a huge fan. <laughs> right. And so fan is one part of it. And I think you sort of started like getting in there with a couple of these pieces. But why do you think online courses have become such a mainstay? What it is it? What is it about them that makes them not go away? So there's a there's a ton of different reasons. I think it's always different for different people. Um, you know, I think they're very easily um, consumable. Um, both, you know, you can you can watch them on your iPhone, your iPad, your Apple TV, your computer. You can have them with you at all times. So my, my wife's actually also a course creator as well. Um, but yeah, they they are. You know, you can stop and start them, which is a really important thing. I think for a lot of people who have very busy lives, you know, they can find an hour between you know dinner and going to sleep, or they can you know spend uh, early morning on a on a Saturday or something like that. So they're just very accessible. I think also they they tend to be priced pretty well. Like you can learn a lot. Like the course I was taking this past weekend was ninety nine dollars, and I felt like after taking the course, I would have easily paid you know a thousand dollars for this course. It was so beneficial for me as someone who loves to learn. And so I just think they have so many, you know, different reasons why, uh, you know, people are fans. Yeah. And I think, well, I think we'll probably get into this a little bit more, but even pre-pandemic, I 
imagined courses being the precursor of how we sort of update and change education on a whole. And I think pandemic probably took us into this realm where we could, where online courses weren't just being taken by people who create online courses, right? I mean, literally children (laughs) were brought in and put into this sort of online education system, which I think opened the door to what we probably can't even imagine, though I'm about to pick your brain on what you can imagine. (laughs) I have some ideas. (laughs) Right? Happens beyond that. Um, But I do, I agree with you. I've always seen that online courses were an amazing opportunity for us to sort of decentralize education and sort of make it easier for you to learn anything without going to an organization and giving tons of money or whatever it may be. Um, So I love that you're sort of echoing Echoing some of those things that I've felt around online courses yeah. as well. They're also really great for the creator as well, because um, like most things on the internet, they can be edited and changed and updated and you know they can be made better over time. And I think that's a really important thing. So for example, I think I know a lot of you know professors and teachers, uh, you know, they have their kind of core curriculum and they stick to it. Um, but as an online course creator, you can constantly change and edit things on the fly. So, you know. Um, whether it's as simple as like a typo, <laughs> um, or, you know, a, a broken link, um, or, you know, a video that maybe didn't make sense that I can, you know, upload a new copy, replace it. Um, or maybe, you know, like my wife, for example, just got a bunch of feedback on her course. Um, uh, so she's adding a bunch of bonus content. So there's, there's, it's, it's always ever, you know, changing, which is really, really cool. Yeah. I also like this idea of being able to change even the content as things, you know, come to light or, you know, the world changes or whatever it may be. Whereas if you're putting what you know into a physical book, let's say, once it's printed, it's there. And unless we do more additions, which, you know, isn't always going to be possible, courses are something that you can go in and update in all the ways that you said, but also keep relevant as things change. Yeah. And they're also much easier for a um, a a, le- a learner, a student to to consume because they can skip around. You know, I always found when I would read a book where I was like, "Where's the important part?" You know, <laughs> like is it chapter five, six, seven? Where is it? Um, with a course, you can see, you know, typically see the table of contents of everything that's inside. You can click to it. You can watch a video. Okay, maybe it's not for me. Skip to the next one. You know, read text. Um, so you know, you don't have to complete. 100% of a course, just like you don't have to complete 100% of a book. Um, but courses do allow you to skip around in a much easier way. Right. So courses are really amazing for the creators because it gives you tons of yeah. flexibility and ability and you can get paid for what you know and all of, all of those wonderful <laughs> things. But also for the learner because you are it's more, it's easier, it's more accessible and it's easier for you to learn what and in the way that you most need to. Um, right. I love all of that. Good. And we're not selling me on courses here. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in it. For sure. um, but anyone who may be listening, you know, if you've been playing with the idea of either investing in online courses or, um, or creating one, I don't see this as a trend that, you know, has been growing or even just sizzle, whatever's happening over the past couple of years. I think this is a mainstay and a pivotal part of how people do business, particularly online for the foreseeable future. Do you agree? Totally agree. And I think one of the cool things that we're seeing also um, since the start of COVID is that online courses are becoming much more of a um, of a community. So there's a lot more people that are taking courses that are, you know, talking in the comments, um, you know, joining a Slack or a Discord or Facebook group that's, you know, has to do with the community. So there's this, you know, other learners are being able to interact with you. You can ask questions to them, you can participate, stuff like that. So it's, it's not just that you take a course by yourself. Um, so like the course I purchased this past weekend, there's a discord community and I was able to jump in there and ask questions. And, um, you know, there's, there's much more of a, a group bonding over, over a single topic. Yeah. And I think for so many people that has been a missing piece for a long time. Um, but I also love that you can also just take a course and you don't have to be a yep. part of a community to gain this information. You can sort of pick and choose how it is that, how it is that you want to, how it is that choose you your own adventure. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Do you go alone or do you take your friends? <laughs> right, right. I'm actually, it's funny because I'm, I, I tend to, whenever I take a course, I, I like to send it to, you know, three or four people on text message and say, Hey, you want to like jump in on this with me? Um, and sometimes I get takers, sometimes I don't. Um, but I really prefer to have that like peer pressure. <laughs> Some people call it accountability, but I love that you call it peer pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) 
When it comes to growing your business, integrating the right tools at the right time to help you get the job done can be tricky. But the HubSpot CRM platform is a tool that can take the headache out of scaling your business, and it will continue to grow with you. But don't just take it from me. I understand the value of bosses sharing what's worked for them along their entrepreneurial journey. That's why today I'm bringing you the experience of a real boss using HubSpot to take her business to the next level. My name is Kim Dow, and I'm the owner and publisher of SAS Magazine, a Bean Boss podcast fan and HubSpot CRM customer. So for our business, running a magazine, we have three very different lists. Each of those audiences have very different interests and different goals. HubSpot allows us to create segmented and targeted lists to ensure that we're communicating and marketing to each audience group very effectively. And using HubSpot has played a huge role in helping to increase our open and click rates and to ensure that our readers stay subscribed to our e-newsletters. We love all of the features of HubSpot, and we've really been using it this past year to help grow our business. Throughout the holidays and into 2022, we'll be using HubSpot to set up more automation, such as chat flows and more list building tools. This will allow us to become more productive and more efficient in our time and our workflow. This is Kim Dow from SAS Magazine, and my HubSpot CRM platform helps my business stay connected. Learn more about how it can do the same for yours at HubSpot.com. So you, you just hinted at one part of my next question. I'm wondering if you have any ways to expand. I'd like to know from a bird's eye view, what is happening in the world of online courses right now? So, um, yeah, one thing I mentioned just now is, is this community aspect. Um, and it's something that we've been following now for a couple of years. And we actually just launched, um, not to promote our product too much, but uh, we just launched a big community feature on our platform. And people are starting to pair, whether it's with our platform or other platforms, um, community as a big aspect to online courses. And it, for me, it makes a ton of sense. Um, I think one of the things that you do lose out with courses sometimes is that, you know, uh, having other students, having other people to to kind of brainstorm with, talk to. And so we're just seeing a lot more courses have a community that runs alongside it. So that's one piece. We're also seeing a lot more live components to courses. So, you know, while you might have a course that's standalone, you might also offer, you know, a few webinars that go along with it, um, that sort of thing, office hours, that kind of thing. So um, those are two trends. And then just one third trend that we've been seeing as well is that we're seeing a lot more um, courses that are run on cohorts. So for example, you know, everyone will pre-sign up for a course that launches on December 1st, and then um, they're all going to start taking the course together. And typically, the that's also paired with the webinars. So the, the instructor, the teacher will also throw in some webinars during that first few weeks. So there's a lot of things happening. But I think, again, like accountability, um, as well as community are two of the bigger things that we're seeing. Yeah, I think accountability has probably been the missing piece for what makes online courses work since their inception, more or less, right? You sort of have to hold yourself responsible otherwise yeah. to do the thing. And not everyone is great at doing that, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? So I love that the online component um, creates that accountability as well as that community component creates that accountability. Because I, again, I feel like that sort of heals the, uh, the problem that most creators find when getting their students through it to reap the benefits of, you know, engaging with a course. And that otherwise, this is also just sort of healing like a pandemic thing where we just want to hang out with people. Yeah, definitely. And I, and I think, you know, uh, one thing they say is that when you can teach something, it's when you really understand something. So I think one of the things I like about these communities that are forming around courses is that, you know, students will have questions and then other students will answer them. And you feel better as a student when you can answer other students' questions. And it gives you that kind of feedback loop like, oh, look, I've actually learned something and this was super valuable for me. Um, so I, I love that aspect of it. Yes. Oh, I like that too. And I love too that what you're talking about here is a couple of episodes ago, uh, we'll leave um link in the show notes, but I did an episode on community versus audience versus market. And I think oftentimes people think of building communities when they're actually building an audience, they just want to speak to their people. But in a community, people are empowered to speak to each other. So mm -hmm. you're giving them the space to assist each other, to answer questions that you would probably be there answering, but you don't even have to because they're going to answer it amongst themselves. Yep. 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I, I answered someone's question this over this past week and I felt really good about myself. I felt extra smart that I was actually learning something. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, that question was posed to the teacher, but I was able to jump in there and do it myself. So I felt good as, as a student. <laughs> yeah. And like, and helpful, right? Like and you, helpful, you yeah, are certainly. helping someone else do the thing as well, uh, which is a nice little benefit of just engaging in those kinds of communities. Uh, I was just going to say it's definitely evolved a lot because I think comments were the uh, original way that people would participate in a course. You know, there would be a lesson and they would leave comments and questions and the, the teacher could go in and, and leave responses. But that, again, sort of uh, is not as community focused as actually having like a forum or having a place where people can gather and discuss a bunch of different topics. And also, I, I think another great thing about community is that it allows people to share more about themselves than maybe just the answer to specific questions. And then you get to know someone and you can like reach out to them on Twitter or Facebook or, or whatever. And again, it builds this kind of camaraderie around the course. Yeah. Which is just going to influence everyone's uh, like positively influence everyone's outcome from taking the course. Great. Some great benefits there of adding community to your courses. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So, okay, I do want to talk about this people like connection situation. Do you see this changing, disappearing um, when we can all hang out again? Or do you see this being something that the pandemic perhaps initiated, but has a longer, um, a longer lifespan? And what do you imagine that looking like? Yeah, I mean, I don't see it going anywhere. Um, I think that if any, I mean, people may go back to more in-person things, obviously, um, but I don't think they're going to do that um, and not do the online component, not do the online community component. I think that's just just such a part of the way we live our lives these days. Um, so I don't think I don't see that changing. Um, I also think that you know you can have two different types of friends. <laughs> you know, you can have the friends that you see, um, you know, around town, around your city. Um, that you meet and and you have a different relationship than maybe the, some of the people that you meet in like an online community around a specific topic. Um, so, you know, the course I was taking this past weekend, um, I don't know anyone really in, in the online in the offline world that would be able to talk to me about that, right? Um, but people on the online world, I can, you know, communicate them with them over Discord or over the community feature that we have. Um, and so, yeah, it's just a different, you know, group of people. Yeah. I agree with that. I hadn't really thought about it, but as you were saying it, I agree (laughs) because you're right. And as (laughs) someone too, who has been doing like living part of my life online for 15 ish years, I definitely have online friends and offline friends, right? Right. Um, I, and that won't be going away when I can hang out with my offline friends again. Exactly, exactly. Like most of my offline friends aren't in tech. So they don't even know really what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, okay, you know, Spencer, computer nerd. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I have online friends that I've known for like 10, 15 years where we've only met in person maybe once or twice. Um, and, and some people never, um, but we share similar, you know, interests that are online. So, you know, I think it's great. Um, and I, again, I don't think it's going to go away. Uh, I think it, you know, courses just give you access to more different types of people um, that are maybe similar to you and share similar interests. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Then let's zoom in a lot because what I do want to focus on is we talked sort of what is happening right now, um, 2022, as we go into it in courses. Um, but let's zoom into what it is that course creators can actually do? Like, what should we be focusing our energy on when it comes to online courses right here, right now? Sure. So, um, more tactically. Yeah, always. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so this is actually a good timing because we just released a, uh, huge survey, um, where we, we talked to over 18,000, uh, course creators and, um, who have collectively over 130,000 courses. And one of the things that we realized or through the data was that um, is around pricing courses. So I think one people, one thing that people get kind of, um, you know, maybe get wrong when they're first starting is they feel like they need to either underprice their course or overprice their course. They never know how much they should price their course for. So in the data, we actually saw that the average online course is only $137. And we also found um, that if you're a new course creator, um, there's no benefit to you to underprice your course. Hitting that sort of $99 sweet spot for your course is actually the perfect price point for new course creators. So oftentimes I see new, new course creators, you know, either charging, 
way too little or way too much. So they'll list their course for only $49 or $19 or something like that. Um, but we actually found in the data that um, you'll get just as many buyers if you list it for $99. So that's just one cool piece of uh, information that we found. That's amazing. Versus people, I often see this, they go with like, and I'm just like the B-school model of $2,000 <laughs> <laughs> or yeah, something yeah, yeah. that a lot of times should probably only be $100. Yeah, for eighty-nine uh, percent of the courses that we surveyed, um, actually had prices under three hundred and four dollars. So you know there are still you know ten percent of the market that has courses over three hundred, um, but for the majority of courses, they're under three hundred, and the average price is ninety-nine. And again, for new course creators, I think you should target that ninety-nine dollar um, price point. Um, don't uh, short sell yourself. Don't you know put something out for only like thirty-nine bucks, something like that. Love it. Okay, so that's pricing. I feel like the, another sort of um, block for people either creating it or keeping it relevant is the tech side of things. So yeah. video, like all of those things. What is happening now in terms of producing your course? So, um, you know, I always tell new course creators that, you know, all you need is, um, you know, a pair, a pair of AirPods or just like a really cheap and expensive mic for, you know, 30, 40, 50 dollars. We have a bunch of guides that we can link in the show notes, something like that. Um, but don't get uh worried about the tech. I think one of the things again that people are always worried about if is if my course isn't overproduced, are people gonna think like I'm a fraud or I don't know what I'm talking about, that sort of thing. Or actually some of the best courses I've taken and some of our most successful people basically just sit there in like a t-shirt and sweatpants and just talk into the screen. Um, you know, so don't worry about being fancy. Don't worry about uh, having like the best equipment, that sort of thing. That can all come. Um, but I think it's better to prove yourself out first, try to get some sales. And then I think there's no better feeling than to buy that you know $200 microphone with your course proceeds. Um, so yeah, th that's something you can shoot for. But yeah, don't worry about you know overproducing. Yeah. I love that we're in 2022 and video has taken over the internet and you can still just show up with what you have with, with what comes standard, you know, with your computer and your AirPods or even like um I'm recording this currently in wired <laughs> yeah yeah and wired even apple better. headphones, right? Um that you still don't need to go all out to create a quality course. Yeah. And I think that's also another nice thing about uh, the pandemic has been that most people now have a microphone because you sort of just have to have one. You know, it's either built into your computer or you had to get one through COVID. So you've got all the tools that you need. Um, and then I always recommend that people, when they're looking for like a course platform, whether it's ours or someone else, is that they just focus on the simplicity of the platform. Don't look for all the features that you don't need today. Um, to be honest, there's not a single course platform out there that's doesn't have the features you need to get started. Um, so don't worry about like, okay, well, what if I have 100,000 customers and you know I'm making a million dollars a year? Is this platform going to be right for me? Just worry about like, what do you need today? And really what you need today, every course platform has it covered for you. All right, boss, fresh year, fresh goals, plenty of fresh energy. How will you be harnessing it to help you build a business that better supports your life this year? If I may offer up a suggestion, get your money in order with FreshBooks. From fast and easy invoicing to automated late payment reminders and the ability to handle the hassle of currency conversion, FreshBooks is easy to use accounting software designed specifically with bosses like you in mind and has plans designed for all types of small businesses. So whether you offer a service or a creative agency or a podcast like us, you can choose a plan that's right for you. And no matter which you choose, you'll be saving time all along the way. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days. No credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash being boss and enter being boss in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, I want to talk about this community piece too, because I think a yeah. lot of times when people think community for my course it equals time that they're going to have to spend managing a community and creating more content or answering the questions, whatever it may be. What do you see happening in the implementation of the new core or new community feature in Podia in terms of how creators are managing what is potentially an extra bit of workload in managing this community? So um, what I tell creators is that 
If anything, it's actually going to reduce the workload because, again, like you mentioned earlier, you've got other students in the course that are contributing answers. Um, whereas maybe before, uh, people might be leaving comments, might be sending you an email, might be like DMing you on Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, but actually having a community allows for other people that are interested in what you're doing to help out. Um, so I know there's this this worry of some course creators that they feel as if, oh, I got to be always present and I got to be always responding. But actually, um, you can rely a lot more heavily on your community. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I hadn't really thought about it potentially even taking less time because you've centralized communications around your course and you've filled your room with people who will help you answer the questions. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I think also too, you know, as your community begins to mature even more, you can, you know, uh, assign people to be moderators and you can get people more involved and you can, um, you know, potentially can incentivize them with free courses or maybe free webinars, whatever. Um, but yeah, if anything, it's going to be less work. There's going to be more volume of content coming in. Um, but you know, that's, that's a luxury. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay. Then let's talk about how things we've talked about how sort of the online course world has grown and shifted. And I'm interested in looking at this um, through this lens of what's working and not working one way or the other. So my first question is, what has in the past worked for online courses that is not working anymore? Great question. So um, I think one of the things that we've seen in the past that worked well was, uh, you know, you could just put up a course um, on, on any topic and not um, put your own personality into it. You know, you can just you can just basically throw up a landing page, say, you know, I'm going to teach you this, you know, etc. Um, whereas now I think people are really more connecting with the creator. They, they want to know who you are, that, you know, they want to see photos of you, they want to understand like what your vibe is. Um, you know, they're, they're more interested in purchasing from you as much as they are about learning the topic. And so I think the more successful you can be as a creator is the more that you instill um, your own personality into your sales page, um, into your content, into your videos, um, into your marketing, all that kind of thing. So, you know, authenticity is obviously, obviously a word that's thrown around a lot. Um, but if you can be truly authentic to what you're selling and what you're producing, what you're creating, um, then that's only going to help you. And again, I think in the past, because there were so many, uh, so fewer courses out there, you could get away with not doing that. Yeah. Right. No more phoning it in everyone. Exactly. You got to yeah. show up and be you. <laughs> Anything yeah. else not working anymore? Um, you know, I, it really depends because one of the things about courses is that it's such a big market. There's so many courses being sold, so many courses being produced that there's very few like hard and fast rules. Um, I think in the past, people were maybe producing courses that were potentially too long, you know, so they would put hours and hours and hours of content, um, which, you know, is great for certain types of courses. But I do think that you know, if you want to be successful, at least, especially when you're like just starting out, shoot for something that's short, shoot for something that's easily consumable, that doesn't scare people away until maybe you've built up that brand. Maybe you've got repeat customers that trust you and maybe want to follow you down a path that's a longer course. So I definitely see creators creating shorter courses that are much more specific to a topic and usually more specific to an audience. Oh, that's a good one. Because I definitely can think of courses in days past, long, lots of topics covered, really <laughs> going deep on things that you really can't. I mean, like this is a semester commitment, <laughs> more or less. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And they usually have a you know $2,000 price tag as well. Right. <laughs> right. Whereas now a short something that you can take in a weekend as you just did or something where you can just like dive relatively deeply, but on a very sort of niche topic to learn a quick thing um, definitely sounds like the way things are going. Yeah. We, we actually have a really um, successful creator on our platform earning millions of dollars a year. And his thing is that every month he has a new course and it's cheap. It's, you know, $49 to $99. And he is wildly successful producing these short, you know, one to three hour long courses um, at a low price tag and just building up volume. And because again, you know, the more people you have taking your courses, the more people you have joining your community, the more people you have participating is the more word of mouth that you get as well. Um, so, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, would you rather have 10 people pay $99 or one person pay a thousand? And, um, you know, the answer is that you'd rather have 10 people paying $99 typically, uh, because those people are going to then share and spread the word to more people. Yeah. Oh, lovely. 
Love that one. Okay. So my next sort of half of this question or my next question in this interesting lens that I want to view courses through is, is there anything that has not worked in the past that you see working now? You know, I, I think the, as I mentioned earlier too, is that there's nothing like very specific I can point to for that because there are, again, just so many courses out there and so many people are successful with different things. Um, and then, you know, some markets prefer it some way, other markets prefer it other ways. Uh, so it's, it's, typically difficult to kind of pinpoint specifics. Yeah. Well, and I even love the example you just gave of the person who was creating all of these courses. Because I feel like five years ago, we would have said, take everything you know, put it in one master course, yep. right? And sell this thing and you'll become, you know, the leader in your industry. That's how we would have gone at course creation and building that personal brand and yeah. thought leadership and all of those things. But what's happening now is sort of the exact opposite, at least in this case, where someone's coming in just doing quick little things every single month. And it sounds like is making bank doing it. Yeah, definitely. Um, one other thing, actually, I, I will mention is that it's course related, but we are seeing more and more creators diversifying their product offerings. So, you know, they'll have a course, but then they'll also have a digital download. They'll also have like a webinar for sale. They'll also have like a coaching um, session for sale as well, too. And those all feed into each other really well. Um, and you get customers that are at different um parts of their journey. So maybe you have someone who's timid about joining your online course right out the bat, off the bat. So they want to uh, do like a live session with you first, or maybe they want to see whether or not you're an authority. So they'll purchase a digital download before they start your course. Um, so we are seeing more, more and more creators diversifying the types of products that they sell. Yeah. And I think too, that even plays into the accessibility piece that's become so important in the online realm yeah. over the past couple of years of not everyone can sit and just watch some videos and learn a thing, right? They want that one-on-one -on -one time or they want the community aspect or, you know, some very, whatever it may be. Um, I love that there is this um, availability that we have to engage with creators and or consume content in a way that better fits how it is that we need to do so. Yeah, exactly. And I think um, just to harp on that point for one more minute. Um, you know, it's, it's nice to also have courses and products at different price points too, as, as you mentioned, because, you know, again, you can get people started early at a low cost. And then maybe you do have a signature course that's, you know, $500 or $999, something like that. Um, but that often takes a lot more trust for someone to purchase. Um, so again, just getting more people into the funnel uh, sooner at like an easier price point is nice as well. Yeah. So Online courses are really becoming a smaller piece of an overall strategy and business in a way where in the past, I feel like you sort of had this funnel and courses were the thing, but now the thing is all like, they're all on the same playing field, more or less, if that yeah, exactly. made any sense. A hundred percent. You know, um, you know, when we started the business in 2014, we only had courses, you know, that was the only type of digital product that you can sell. And now we have five different types of digital products that you can sell courses, downloads, community webinars, and coaching. And we have seen courses grow, you know, extremely well on our platform and just across the industry. But we're also seeing a lot of other types of digital products grow just as quickly. And so I think one of the great things about that is that, again, like you mentioned, not, not everyone wants to sit down and take a course. A lot of people do, um, but they are really looking to purchase into a creator. They're learning. They want to get to know that person. They want to be part of that person's ecosystem, you know, whether that's, you know, starting with a digital download or a course or community or webinar, et cetera. Um, but yeah, we are seeing creators that are diversifying a lot more their, their entire kind of portfolio of products. Do you have any examples of people who are using courses and digital products as a additional piece of their business model. So let's say they're yes. something like a personal chef who works with clients and are doing courses or give me a couple of examples of what this looks like for anyone out there who sure. may have a business that is functioning, probably working with clients or maybe even in like product or retail or something like that, um, but are yeah. thinking about what it looks like to expand their offerings into courses sure. and other pieces. Yeah. Is it okay if I use my wife as an example? Absolutely. <laughs> so, so yes, um, just a quick background. So she worked in an ad agency um, until around 2014, 2015. And then she went 
off on her own and started a freelancing business. So she's a copywriter by trade. Um, and so for the first two, three years of her um, freelance business, she was just completely working with clients. You know, um, she never had time for herself to build out her own products, that kind of thing. And then about about three years ago, so about a year before COVID started, she um, was like, look, I'm going to, I see you like selling this product. All these creators are becoming rich on your platform. You know, I want to get into that too. So she started actually um, building out digital products. And so she started with um, a very simple digital free digital download and how to become a freelancer. And then she started to build up that list. And then she realized that a lot of the people that were signing up for her digital download um, were actually copywriters as well. So then she started putting out um, courses on copywriting. Um, and I think she's got a few now, like $99, $4.99, something like that. Um, and then she began to continue to build up her list. And now she's actually uh, starting to sell webinars as well. So that's like a new thing for her. And, she, and her goal is by the end of next year to shift all of her um, income from, you know, her freelance to her digital uh, business. So she's been working really, really hard at that. Um, she's built up her list, I think, to now like over 2000 people from zero um, a couple of years ago. And it's been great to see her kind of shift. And it's really funny. So she's actually got a webinar tomorrow. Actually, no, it's today, later today. And uh, she set out the invite a couple of days ago and she's got 99 people subscribed to her webinar. And she's just like, this is amazing. Like, I'm nervous, but I can't wait. You know, that sort of energy. So um, it's been great to see her um, build up her business from scratch. Yeah. And how, and I'd say this from experience too, there is such great joy that comes from teaching the thing that you know to people who need to know the thing that you're teaching. Totally. Oh, love it. Okay. So if anyone is thinking about doing a course, it's not too late. <laughs> Courses are not over by any means. Definitely not. I, I mean, uh, we always talk about this internally. I think we're at the 1% of where this is heading. Like we are really, really wow. just at the start. Yeah. I mean, just if you think about it, like courses aren't even, I mean, they just kind of started yeah. five years ago. I mean, my dad was starting them in 2009, but like, you know, he's a pioneer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been really only four or five years and they've really only become popular in the last 18 months. Um, and yeah, we're, we're seeing like record sales um, from our creators. Um, so yeah, it's really just getting started. That's amazing. And it's funny. I feel like in the online world, we think five years, that's so old. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like how ancient is that? But in the grand scheme of business, let's say, industries span generations. And if this is an industry, we are literally just at the very beginning. You're right. 1%. Yeah. That's where we are. And I had to remind myself uh, the other day that, you know, we've really only been doing things on the internet for like 20, 25 years, yeah. but really more seriously, like the last 10 years. Like, yeah. the, and, and, you know, this isn't going away. Like, you know, I, I don't think we're going to turn the internet off next year. And so we're certainly not going to turn online courses off because, you know, learning online is one of the best ways, if not the best way to learn. So yeah, definitely not going anywhere. No, it's not. It's so funny to think because I think the same thing as well, but we're just, we're just at the, at the very beginning of seeing what this, what this internet thing is going to do. And I think that online, online learning better be the future of learning in all ways. It has to be. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I don't want to go back to a, a class classroom with a little desk that I can't put my legs under or anything like that. Right? So. Or just like, how uncomfortable is that seat? <laughs> no, definitely. Oh, back pain just thinking about it. <laughs> right? I agree. I agree. I think, I, I think too, that the connection, the removing, removing of the geographic boundaries that connects those of us who want to learn something with the people who can teach it is the magical thing about online courses. And now that is similar to like you have online friends, you're not going to leave them because you're going to go back to your offline friends. I think we're not going to walk away from that. Um, and then it's just going to grow. With that in mind, I'm wondering if you have any recommendations. If anyone is wanting, if any bosses listening to this are wanting to start a course right now, what does it look like? Or where should they get started? Um, and or what should bosses be thinking about moving into this year when it comes to adding or improving online courses in their business model? So I, uh, we actually just finished a 10-video YouTube series uh, that answers this exact question. 
So uh, we can put in the show notes for yes. you. Um, that's a video series. We also have a written guide that's really, really helpful. We've had hundreds of thousands of people go through it. Um, so let me share those resources because they'll do a much better job than I can. <laughs> um, Perfect. But yeah, the YouTube series is is phenomenal. So I definitely recommend it. Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, if anyone, the takeaway you all need is that courses are not done. If you've been itching to start one, get started and keep it simple. I do love that we are in this place where the fluff has been removed. We're not expected to have full production, you know, 18 hour courses. We can just come in, teach the thing super quickly, move on and benefit everyone who's interested in it. Yeah. I always tell uh, first time creators that the goal is to hit the publish button and you have to get there as fast as possible. Um, whether it's one video, whether it's just a text lesson, you know, whatever it is, just smack that publish button and then you can always improve it over time. I love it. And we will include resources to all of the things um, that Spencer has mentioned and some other resources that we pull out from this conversation in the show notes. You can find those at beingboss.club. Um, Spencer, where can people find more about you? So I am big on Twitter. That's my preferred and only social network. Uh, so twitter.com slash Spencer Fry. And I'm also very available in DMs. So, uh, you know, I get uh, strangers DMing me every day. So if you have any follow-up questions, happy to answer those, whether they're about courses, starting businesses, life, anything, uh, feel, feel free to send me a, a message. Perfect. And Podia, if anyone is interested in starting their own course there. Perfect. Isabel, I do have one last question for you. Okay, if I may. This let's is, do it. This, this is the sneaky <laughs> question that always comes at the very end. Spencer, what these days is making you feel most boss? What's making me feel most boss? Okay. Uh, renovating a new house I bought last month. Oh, yeah. I love that. Is it? And I'm pretty clueless at it. <laughs> but I'm doing, learning. I'm are, learning. Are you doing I'm it I'm not yourself? doing the renovations, but okay. my wife and I are trying to figure out, like, how do we remodel a bathroom? We don't know what to choose. <laughs> I bet. So, Boston training on that one. Right. Doing something new and hard. Yes, yes. I like it. Perfect. Spencer, this has been a treat. Thank you so much for coming and sharing this insight with us. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. I just want to take a minute to shout out to all the small business owners out there because it's hard work balancing your bottom line and taking care of a team. That's why Gusto built an easier and more affordable way to manage payroll benefits and more. Automatic payroll tax filing, simple direct deposits, free health insurance administration. Y'all, that's a winner. 401ks, you name it, Gusto made it simple. It's my favorite onboarding tools that allow you to easily inform a new hire on their benefits and the policies. So they walk in on day one, knowing what they need to know to get started with the bank. And right now you can get three months free. Once you run your first payroll, just go to gusto.com slash being boss. That's gusto.com slash being boss. Now until next time, do the work, be boss. Yeah.